At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The future is coming. I guess that's always kind of true, basically. Hopefully that will continue to be true for a long time here. If the future stopped coming, I think we'd all be in trouble. But it is coming. So make it brighter with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. My fiance actually uses Squarespace for her yoga business. You can showcase your work, blog, publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. And there's nothing to install patch or upgrade ever head to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use that offer code capspace easy remember that because we talk about capspace all the time in the program use the code capspace to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain at squarespace Oof. okay we're back uh that was like 30 seconds of real time here uh so i don't need to say hello again to danny let's go to the heat here first just to finish up with the the talk about them in the Wayne Wade transaction and I think what this does for their rotation is very interesting uh, certainly all the heat players saying the right things about getting it back and I think Wade provides something that they really needed which was just a backup point guard secondary creator now I think the number that I'm going to be watching very closely two of them are his true shooting percentage and his usage which were an issue true shooting percentage too low usage too high the last time that he was in Miami and so is he going to come off the bench is he going to still let Goran Dragic be the main guy we mentioned how up until recently their clutch performance had been pretty good but they've now lost five straight but they had really distributed the shots quite a bit during crunch time is Wade gonna just take over as he did back in the 2016 season when he had like a 38 percent usage rate and Goran Dragic's usage rate was like five percent in the clutch despite Dragic even back then arguably being the superior player so that's gonna be something to watch here for the heat but I do think they have a place for Wade as long as his role doesn't get to be just like too big there is a wonderful bit of nostalgia with this but i think there is more danger than some are letting on here because wade has so much equity and that is not only with the fan base but with the coaching staff with the front office he's been there and they're sure there was some acrimony when he left and and you talked about miami's clutch offense and yeah their 115.8 offensive rating in, cl- in clutch situations is is very important you know what else is really important their 101 defensive rating during that time yeah and that relies a lot on the the super active players flying around and while playoff wade might still do that i think they're going to face a, a really serious drop off if they end up using him in those minutes and it's going to be very hard not to josh richardson can still play i mean josh richardson has to be out there he's been been big for them in clutch time and waiters not being on the team makes this a little bit easier but i mean if, if they're choosing to play wade over tyler johnson let's say in those key situations i think that takes something meaningful away from them on both 
both ends of the floor yeah. or or wayne ellington sure for that matter yeah as well and, and and richardson has to be out there Dragic has to be out there right so i mean the, and they'll have a center so that means you're going to have either james johnson or justice winslow at power forward and, and wade's lack of shooting does uh, make things difficult it's like you almost have to put the ball in wade's hands because if you put it in Dragic's hands then you don't have to guard wade so i mean my hope would be that they could bring him back and he would just not play at the end of games a lot of times you know that they, they, he could be a guy who create offense uh, on the second unit and they would have some shooting around him but uh, you know it seems kind of unlikely that that will be the case and or maybe it would just depend on how well he's playing interestingly you know there had been a rift between wade and riley and riley had famously said like he had an email in his drafts folder that he was like waiting to send to wade uh when he was asked about it but apparently they patched things up at the funeral of wade's longtime agent henry thomas a, a couple of weeks ago uh and i'm sure no tampering whatsoever occurred there uh and then but it seemed like the Cavs were fine with moving on from lebron was cool with wade going back to to miami and wade wasn't really going to play much of a role in cleveland going forward anyway and so one of the weirder free agent odysseys with wade signing that two-year deal for al- almost 50 million with the bulls and then the bulls still paying him over 15 million this year though wade did give back a lot of that money that he was owed to, to get out of that and he's not going to get that back likely but it's good to see him back in miami and so it won't be as weird now when his number gets retired and when they create the statue of him and all that stuff so he belongs in a heat uniform it's good to see him there but it seems and to be able to patch things up after you know pat riley made the right decision and not resigning him obviously to that contract um i think is good and uh i can't wait until wade is carping to, to uh, the media this offseason about how the heat won't give him the full uh mid-level exception let's talk about the other move that miami made which kind of took a couple different forms during the period of time that that wasn't the big story obviously they traded okara white who you and i both really like but has been hurt for luke babbitt Babbitt makes a little bit more money, but not very much. And Okaro would have been a restricted free agent, except that Atlanta waived him. So that doesn't matter anymore. And Babbitt, certainly the the floor spacing has been important for Miami. They, they've they missed him in that way this year. And I think they've, you know, the, the way that they're starting lineup in certain ways is structured just because they don't start Wayne Ellington is a challenge there. So I understand why Miami did this if they didn't think Okaro White was going to be a player for them long-term. But it is, uh, I, I mean, they lost a little bit of upside with him. I think he could have been more there. And then the other thing we should mention just as a bookkeeping note is that the Heat cut A.J. Hammonds, who has guaranteed money for next season, to facilitate Dwayne Wade because they didn't have an open roster spot. Yeah, and we'll see whether, in fact, they decide to stretch uh, his minimum contract to, for next year. Remember that Hammonds came over in that deal where they tried to get off of Jock, Josh McRoberts' money, which then opened up space for them to sign a Kelly Olenek. Now, Babbitt does seem a bit redundant, but the Heat always seem to have injury problems. I mean, they They've really got three guys now at power forward between Justice Winslow, James Johnson, and Luke Babbitt. That doesn't even count Roddy Magruder potentially coming back. Uh, maybe they'll see Winslow more as a three. And, and and that might be part of the thinking here is that if you have the shooting of Babbitt, now you can play Winslow at the three and have him guard threes and he won't kill your spacing as much. That might be part of this as well. And then he just kind of need bodies with some of the injuries that they have. So, and White, you know, there wasn't really talk about when he was going to be ready 
to come back he obviously helped them a lot last year during that win streak i'm surprised that atlanta didn't see enough in him to retain him and in fact they waived him so that they could then take on the contract of shelvin mack from the wizards i, we'll take I will that correct that it's sheldon here. mack because shelvin mack is the guy on I'm the sorry, magic sheldon thank you yeah yeah i know i i that's that's uh inexcusable um so i think actually last time i corrected you <laughs> that same one uh but yeah he, and mac we'll see whether the hawks end up waiving him as well he actually will be a restricted free agent this offseason maybe if they check in on how he's doing from that achilles tear uh, that they could look to re-sign him uh, i think he actually is someone who has a little bit of potential and, and might benefit from hawks university but uh probably more likely is that they just move on from the reason the wizards had held on to him all year is so that they could trade him instead of having to waive him and, and they could eat up as much of his salary and then lop some off their luxury tax so if we get to that here the wizards saving 2.9 million so for the 460,000 of salary remaining to mac this year and then they also save 2.4 million in luxury taxes uh less of course any cash that they sent uh the wizards also fall to 13 players so they presumably will be active on the buyout market as well although you it's hard to imagine them using any more than uh, they still have their full taxpayer mid-level available but it's hard to imagine them using too much of that at this point especially with john wall out uh and so the wizards unless they can just wave someone and have someone get claimed right at the end of the year uh they were not, did not move jason smith to someone who thought that they might try to get off of but they did not want to give up a first round pick again those were like absolutely like gold here so i think that's all we really need to say from the wizards uh, can we do one small piece of league news yeah finally Kemba yes. walker is in the all-star game he replaces Kristaps porzingis he's <laughs> he was like the fourth sub and we we should all surround him in bubble wrap because the team lebron and all the rest of the team lebron guys considering they've turned over almost half of this team now since it was announced let's get back to uh yeah the uh the hawks because yeah team team lebron uh are definitely quite cursed at this point and the hawks really we had already talked about how ursan Ilyasova had the implicit no trade clause he would have lost his bird rice he just didn't want to get traded uh so they were unable to do that or at least find a destination he was interested in going to but then the failure to trade marco bellinelli seems like an issue here and maybe the thought was that no one was had an expiring contract to give up for him that would have enabled salaries to be matched and maybe someone would have been willing to give up a second for him but they didn't have the expiring contract to go back and then if they wanted to add money for next year at that point it wasn't really worth it for the hawks so maybe that's what happened here but it definitely seems like a failure for a guy on an expiring contract not going to be in your plans long term to be unable to get anything for him but maybe his value is just so low that even a second that would have been worthwhile is not there one of a couple of guys who were held out of games over the last week or two for the purposes of they were in trade negotiations and then they weren't traded so that that's okay yeah that's pretty remarkable isn't it like i mean yeah it's, it's smart same thing happened with Jalil Okafor right and it happened year, with Tyreek which i think uh, we'll get to in a little bit but with the hawks yeah it, it is a missed opportunity and a, a kind of a calibration thing and, and it's certainly possible that their front office just said for the return we're getting we're not going to take on long-term money the hawks will have they will 
will have spending flexibility. So it is actually a sacrifice for them in sort of a different way than it is for for Memphis. But I don't know. It feels like that there is still a a loss here in that way. And it's it's really it's it's disappointing because I I thought Travis Schlenk would be in the asset maximization business. And it's possible that there was no asset to maximize here. So they're just going to eat it. That's really going to be what happens here. Maybe he leaves something in a buyout. Well, and it could be maybe they think they'll like get enough back in a buyout that they'll save some money. But they won't be able to turn that into anything because it's after the trade deadline. So it's not like they can use that cap space to take on a bad contract or something. I mean, they could use it to buy a second round pick in this year's draft, potentially even. you know, I mean, I think especially for a team like Atlanta, uh, that is for a while, probably for a while with the team going to be bad, going to be kind of on the fringes from a cash perspective that even, you know, that sort of thing can be valid. But you imagine that Bellinelli will certainly be in demand on the buyout market. And then it'll be a question of how much he's actually willing to, to give back. Do you want to transition from that to the one that I was kind of leading into with Tyreek? Because yeah, yeah. And Memphis did make some moves, but Tyreek, we'll talk about how Tyreek was not among them. And that was a massive surprise. As you mentioned, they had shut him down. I mean, he was, I thought if I had to look at the one player that I thought in the entire league was most likely to be traded, he would have been it because they don't have bird rights on him. They're totally out of it. They don't want, I mean, they're trying to improve their draft pick this year at this point. Like, I don't know why they would keep him around. Just, I mean, the danger of keeping him on the team just for that reason, I think it is a high risk. Um, they were holding out for a first. It kept, they were sticking with to their guns. We'd seen all that reporting. No one wanted to give up uh, the first. But I think the real sticking point here, and Zach Lowe had this as well, but I, I think we talked about this uh, in many a time going in is that memphis was unwilling to take back any money uh for 2018-19 evans was not worth the first on his own if they would be willing to take back that money then maybe he is worth the first but they were not uh, willing to do that and I, I think that that is a strategic error by memphis to not being willing to take back that money and get that first. they also could have just gotten a useful young player i mean zach had the the piece of this that the nuggets offered moutier in a second round pick emmanuel moutier could have been a, a lottery ticket for them you know he's not making a ton of money that adds I think it's like four million to their books next year it's not prohibitive in that way and I don't know if it's probably would have been a second similar to what what was involved in the trade that we'll discuss in a little bit and from a value proposition the other part of this that's a challenge is since all they had on Tyreek or they will have on Tyreek is non-bird rights the mid-level that they would have to use to resign him is exactly the same whether he was on their team to end the season or whether he was on a different team to end the season so maybe he said hey I want to stick around or something like that there are elements of this that we don't know but they don't the only advantage they gain is basically him not falling in love with another city or something like that because it doesn't give them any added flexibility to retain him yeah and maybe if he's already there he's lived there he has a place he's more indoctrinated the culture he likes the people there i mean it, it's not this idea like people have said that like oh well you know they they could if they want him back they could trade him away and then just resign him like well no i mean there's there are still some sunk costs to living there to that psychological logically make a difference so i don't think that that's and that like doesn't a, really happen yeah. like it's not borne out yeah. it is a it is a conceptual possibility but it yeah. isn't borne out it happened by... with antonio mcdice one but yeah i, I can been. think of few examples where that occurred well, and you talked about the the record thing and i think we should put a little bit of a finer point on that right now there are seven teams that have 17 or 18 wins so even if memphis is going to be real bad the rest of the season one or two games can make a massive difference in where they're where they're 
seed is. And Tyreek Evans is a good player. I mean, Tyreek Evans makes them better when he is on the floor. So is it not only is it worth it in terms of the potential of bringing him back and all that kind of stuff, but like, let's say in the abstract that that cost them two spots in the draft, whether that's, you know, from two to four or from five to seven or whatever, that's massive for a team that needs every build, every piece of building that they can to to get this team. Wow, that was a bad yeah. phrase. Every building block they can. Yeah, I mean, like Marcus Gasol should have been traded. It's consistent reporting that they shut down every overture for him. Like Marcus Gasol shouldn't be on this team anymore. Uh, you know, Conley, they probably couldn't trade with his issues, but they certainly should have tried to if they could have. Um, and at least they got something for James Ennis, uh, but very, very little as we'll get to. Um, but at least, you know, they, they got something at least, right? And so, yeah, just not getting anything for Evans. And Zach Lowe reporting that Memphis gave Memphis, which you alluded to earlier, one of two offers, either Emmanuel Moutier and a second round pick or an expiring contract and multiple second round picks and that Memphis wanted more. And this idea of re-signing him, I mean, it's just, yeah, maybe he comes back there, you know, but it's just like, I mean, how what have the represent, the discussions with his representations been like to think that you're going to have a chance to, to bring him back? Um, you know, he certainly could help them next year. Although how long of a contract are you going to have to give the guy after this one resurgent season is a question. So I, I, I really don't get it. I mean, I thought either of those deals, especially the Moutier one, and, and we've always felt like Moutier probably more than anyone does. And that's, as we'll see in the, the Moutier trade grades to New York, we like that for them. But uh, still, I, I think getting someone who could have a little bit of upside at backup point guard outside of Andrew Harrison and just to get something. And also, as you mentioned, to, to be worse this year. I mean, they need that. Like if Tyree Gavin win, wins them a bunch of games the rest of the year, that's going to be a problem. Now, even more hilarious would be if like Evans just gets bought out, if that would be. But but I think there's also the undercurrent here that we have to remember, both in the not taking on 18, 19 money and then just overall ownership is just the Steve Kaplan, Robert Parrott thing. And we haven't heard much about that yet. We don't know exactly what the deadline is for Kaplan to make that offer or maybe those parties are, are negotiating or, or whatever it is. I mean, we talked about that for a long time if you need a refresher on it a couple of months ago. But that's uh, this is these types of decisions are the hallmark of an organization that just does not have a, a long-term direction. And perhaps this whole ownership thing is, has caused that to be, uh, caused that paralysis. Speaking of a lack of long-term direction for the Memphis Grizzlies, I was shocked that they traded away James Ennis, a guy they actually have early bird rights on. They traded him away yeah. for Bryce Johnson, who is dead money, and a second round pick. That second round pick will be the lesser of Detroit and Chicago's seconds in 2022, So the, per Chris Harrington. So that is going to be a, a distant second. It could be decent, depending on, on how those teams look at that point. And Ennis, this is a continuation of two different things. One for Memphis, it's just like they, they basically got nothing for a guy that they found. Remember that also happened with Troy Daniels, where they, they actually gave up an asset to, to, to give him, to send him away. And then with James Ennis, having a nice year, maybe I, I, another guy that I think we both like more than most people. And then the other continuation is Detroit, while they make these other moves that I disagree with, they find value on the margins to a shocking degree. I mean, Marcus Morris, they got for basically nothing. Tobias Harris, they got for basically nothing. And this, and so he'll help them. I think he'll be a part of their front court rotation. He doesn't have enough equity that he has to start, but he can be a part of the solution for them as they thinned out their perimeter rotation with the Blake Griffin trade. I mean, if they're still trying to be good next year, I might value the early bird rights of Ennis more than I would that pick and the lesser of those two picks in 2022. I mean, that is a long ass time from now for just a, a second rounder. I mean, it, but what this showed for Detroit is, and there were so few teams out there with the first round picks that didn't get moved, 
with guys like Evans, for example, not getting moved. For a team that actually wanted to get better, like the opportunity was there. It just there weren't very many of those teams, it, it seemed like, and those teams just didn't have the, the assets to do it. I would say uh for the Spurs, for example, they were linked to Avery Bradley. We'll, we'll talk to Mark Stein about that tomorrow since he reported that. Uh that there were opportunities to get better. I mean, the Jameer Nelson for just that 2022 20, pick swap and then sending that pick to the Grizz right afterwards the lesser of those two for Ennis I mean Ennis and Nelson like those are two guys who are going to be rotation players and to just do that for the cost of a second round pick get both of those guys and they'll have a chance maybe to re-sign James Ennis as well that's well done for Detroit that they're they look a lot better now I mean especially after this Griffin traded to get one one more guy on the wing who can defend and hit a shot on occasion like that's uh, that's doing well and then they needed a backup point guard until Reggie Jackson returned they were also able to do all that while staying under the luxury tax line they're they're pretty close now but they have good players I mean Jameer Nelson's going to help them James Ennis is going to help them and Bryce Johnson was probably a cost for them of doing the Blake Griffin trade I mean he was dead money and they were able to use that as flotsam to make the this trade happen or you could even say that they foisted Bryce Johnson on because they had exceptions and could have just taken Ennis into space or into an exception where I go okay anything else on that one or, or should we move on to uh some of these other deals actually you know what let's do a quick read here first we got to get this in now because valentine's day is just around the corner and sherry's berries is one of the best ways to provide a great valentine's day gift an unforgettable gift in fact if you're not familiar with sherry's berries they are fresh juicy strawberries just enormous strawberries i've never seen strawberries this big before they are dipped in chocolate topped with rich chocolate chips chopped nuts and signature swizzles they arrive in sherry's berries signature gift box with a beautiful ribbon no gift wrap is required and there's so many of them they're so big that uh you know even if you send them your significant other maybe she'll let you have a couple of them and and you can get to taste all of that chocolatey goodness as well you can send sherry's berries or any other decadent gourmet gift from berries.com and save 20 percent on gifts over 29 dollars with my promo code capspace easy remember we've been talking about that ad nauseum here on these trade deadline wrap-ups you just go to berries.com enter that capspace code choose the delivery date and it's guaranteed to arrive if you're not satisfied you will get your money back that's berries.com b-e-r-r-i-e-s.com promo code capspace to get 20 percent off your purchase of 29 dollars or more once again berries.com code capspace all right where should we go next here danny i want to go to the alfred payton trade yeah so alfred payton got traded to the suns for a 2018 second round pick and so your first thought was oh the suns are going to give up their own second you know that's a that's a strong second and it certainly is for a pending restricted free agent alfred payton but it's a little bit worse of a second than that because they are getting the second most favorable of a a batch of picks which was most likely to be charlotte's so it's going to be a little bit worse than that i it'll i assume charlotte's not going to make the playoffs so i think it'll be top half but not top three you know that sort of a thing and this is a to me this the, the biggest thing that this says is orlando going even though we weren't really going to have cap space and even though the restricted market could be very very limited for alfred payton and all restricted free agents other than maybe the top top tier we don't want alfred payton on our team next year 
Yeah, and that's understandable. He, while he's a guy who, you know, might be a very lower end starting point guard, he's got these crazy shooting limitations. Not that that's ever stopped the Suns, uh, who ha- still have no shooting on their roster outside of Devin Booker. But to just say as Orlando, hey, you know what? If we want to do great things here, we have a mandate to rebuild. Bringing back Alfred Payton just is not going to help us there. Like, we, if we want to be a great team, we just need a better point guard long term. Like, we, yeah, you know, we might be able to get him, and it might be an okay contract. We squeeze him in restricted free agency and yeah but just where where are we going with that anyway you know it's just fine we'll pay him maybe if we're lucky we get him for 10 million dollars a year but and he's our starting point guard but he's still not very good and then we'd we'd still be looking to upgrade on him anyway so why spend the money on him it's really you know uh, and we can pick up a second rounder we'll let him get a fresh start fresh look on a team that might be more interested in re-signing him uh i think it makes a lot of sense i think orlando did it right here at the deadline as a guy like this is guys not in our future plans i don't care what we get for him let's get something it's better than just losing him for nothing and i think a lot of other teams are going to just lose their guys for nothing uh and live to regret it at least they got something for him and, and i mean the, the thing about getting a second round pick is oh it's just a second well apparently second rounders buy you quite a bit these days <laughs> so uh maybe teams you should value getting a second rounder a, a little bit more uh, than you might have before i mean even just going back to last year when pj tucker was two second round picks uh, getting those are since no one will part with a first be having one of the better seconds on the market to get a guy is actually worth something these days there are many reasons why orlando's front office may have passed on a a point guard in the 2017 draft they like jonathan isaac they didn't like the other guys that were available but if alfred payton's presence was a part of that decision this is a pretty clear indication yeah. that that would be a mistake i don't and think why it was i don't think it was. i don't I think, think it they, was either yeah. but i mean they passed on dennis smith to take yeah. to take well, we'll jonathan isaac. Jo- i mean it's quite possible that jonathan and Isaac will be better than, than Dennis Smith. I mean, that was I like one. Jonathan Isaac a lot. I mean, we, yeah. we, we we both did. But young point guards are awfully hard to get, and they they will have another chance probably in this draft. From I haven't done my own research yet, but I mean, depending on how people feel about Trey Young, this this class is going to be different. So that it's just it's another note. I, as I said, I I don't think it was necessarily consideration, but it's a reminder of why you don't consider. Oh, well, we have X guy. I mean, there was also I remember there was some loose reporting about that with the Suns, where that oh. they had that they had Eric Blitz so and that they didn't want to take a point guard and they took josh jackson yeah well i think they were very high uh, on jackson um and, and i mean another one of those would be denver right not taking donovan mitchell because they already had uh, some shooting guards in the mix and now that they've moved on for moody uh donovan mitchell jamal murray and gary harris would look like a pretty good uh three guard rotation wouldn't it so uh yeah i, I think unless you just have and maybe they just didn't value mitchell that high highly you know i didn't know that much about him at the time so it's hard to be too uh blameful there but for the suns i, I think think this is a good chance to see whether we still don't know what their goals are we already thought that they missed a chance to take on some long-term money with the Monroe's expiring contract so Peyton is a very very bad fit in Phoenix I mean they the starting lap is gonna be Peyton Booker TJ Warren either Chris or Jackson and then you know a center maybe Bender will be the power forward but with both Warren there Booker is gonna have the ball in his hands a lot obviously so now you just don't have to guard Peyton they haven't really had a ton of shooting a point guard but Eric Bledsoe is much better than what they've gotten from some of their other guys at this point I think uh it's worth it it's a good buy low and maybe Peyton plays well and you can re-sign him for a, a cheap deal and they want to be better next year and so he can help them with that uh, to some degree and they can use some cap space elsewhere so I think it's a reasonable asset play it's just I wish Peyton were going somewhere where he might have more of a chance to succeed than Phoenix I'd agree with that and it is another you know taking away some of their space justifiably so and I think this is a good move for the Suns in that direction 
question of why it was it, it was an ownership decision to not take on future money in the Eric Bledsoe trade because like theoretically now if they had let's say gotten Toledovich in that deal then they wouldn't be sacrificing anything right now they would just be done doing it the same way but for whatever reason Robert Sarver had that off the table so it is it is spilt milk but it is important spilt milk uh let's see what do we all what else do we have here from today let's yeah, do the th- let's do the three-way trade i think that's interesting with the young yes, so yes. okay so the easiest way to talk about this trade is kind of what each team received so denver received devin harris and the clippers second round pick while sending out emmanuel moutier and portland second round pick so those are basically a wash so you could think about it as emmanuel moutier traded away for devin harris dallas traded away devin harris and got doug mcdermott from the knicks and portland's 2018 second so so they added a second without giving one away. And then New York got Emmanuel Moutier for Doug McDermott and that Clippers second, which went to Denver. So based on the on the assets here, just getting Devin Harris back and basically just a wash in second rounders for Emmanuel Moutier does not look great. I mean, certainly Moutier's value was not particularly high. I think that was, was very clear, though, you know, again, I think he, he just has value to me just uh, on the 15% chance that he really breaks out to him. He does have decent athleticism. He's got decent and defensive tools although he's been bad so far i mean the obviously the emergence of jamal murray made him totally expendable in denver and you know, i'm not sure whether he's ever really going to get it from a shooting standpoint but all that said i think the biggest motivation here for denver was just getting off of moutier's money for next year uh and it was reported by zach Lowe that memphis didn't want to take on 2018-19 money even the three million of moutier which is pretty remarkable i guess for next year it would have been because they, they go the salaries go up pretty significantly in the fourth year year so yeah he would have been 4.3 next year he's 3.3 this year and for denver especially with wilson chandler now looking more likely to opt in to the 12 million that he is owed next year drill arthur eh, you know he might opt into that uh 7.5 million for next year and then they gotta pay Jokic next year as well likely the max those tax concerns were really mounting and i think even that 4 million is going to make a difference for them and that's that to me is probably what this deal was about because getting back Devin Harris who you know I think is a good locker room guy well, and th- might be able to help them a little bit I actually disagree with yeah. you I think that it was also about getting rid of a guy who they felt like they had to play and getting somebody else in who they could I mean think about the odyssey well, I don't, what do you mean they felt like they had to play he was out of the rotation earlier in the year well but I think like, like to have another player Devin uh, have another option at point guard who can be a little bit more positive this year I think yeah. I think that's a part of this but the, I don't even know if Devin Harris is a point guard though anymore he's really been playing shooting guard most of the time they can, i think that they probably see him as a point guard but i wanted to talk for a second about the odyssey that denver has had at backup point guard this year so they they dumped they bought out jameer nelson and brought in richard jefferson richard jefferson has played in 138 yeah. minutes this year yeah they waived nelson he's due 4.7 million they just straight waived and now he's on his was that his fourth team technically speaking yeah his fourth team this league this league year to, as it's as a technical matter he didn't play for that's it. incredible he didn't play for one of those but it's i it, the backup point guard is important and I understand why Denver wanted to have guys that that they can trust there but Devin Harris while he is beloved in Dallas and I think Donnie Nelson has even already said like you know he's he's a part of the family I expect him to retire here all that kind of stuff so they could resign him in and they'll have plenty of cap space if they want to use that or a minimum contract but I don't think Devin Harris is markedly better than some of the other guys that are that either are or are going to be available so that's the part of it that I, I also don't love from from Denver and Moutier has a strong enough pedigree being a lot 
lottery pick and all that, that this to me looked more like a salary dump on a salary that they could have moved on from a later point. And so Denver did do something that I expected of saying basically like, we don't need to worry about moving Kenneth Fareed or Darrell Arthur right now. We can see where this goes. But doing that for Moutier is a little bit weird because that was the most movable of their 2018-19 money that they could want to move. Yeah, and you you definitely have an argument that for the production that he provides this year and maybe even that he's likely to provide next year that Moutier was a, a little overpaid at that uh, over $4 million for 2018-19. But uh, with the upside, you have to say that it, maybe a team would have been willing to take him on. And in fact, it, as it turns out, the New York Knicks were. And I like this deal the most for the Knicks just to get some more talent in the pipeline. You imagine that this uh, could presage a potential buyout uh, for Jarrett Jack as well and that they'll try to give all these minutes to Nilkina and Moutier going forward. There should be enough minutes for those two guys to both play, but not if you're also playing Jarrett Jack at, at the same time. And so hopefully they'll move on from him. And, and Moutier also, you know, a guy who can develop, maybe can do some things on offense, but also has been a pretty severely negative player by all the plus minus data in his career thus far. So might even help out with uh, the stealth tanking here for the Knicks. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to, to get another guy in the pipeline who has a little bit of upside for the Knicks, like that's the type of move that you should be making. It also is... N- and, and McDermott, I don't think who they traded Dallas was not necessarily a part of their plan. Yeah, they basically made a bet at a different position and McDermott could be properly paid. I think restricted could be a very unkind market to him just because there aren't going to be that many teams with space, but maybe somebody throws part of their mid-level at him or something like that. And Moutier, worth a worthy roll of the dice, also team control, not you know moving forward because he'll be a restricted free agent and so if you if you like him you can keep him pretty easily if you don't like him you can let him go after next season without any sort of ramifications i actually like this deal the most for dallas and the reason why is because i don't think devin harris was an essential part of what they do and doug mcdermott is a a nice lottery ticket for them i think that it might work out just having more shooting having another guy who can play the forward positions and they got a second round pick for their trouble so they they got all this and mcdermott is maybe my favorite favorite gamble now this and Rodney Hood in different ways of what the restricted market is going to be because McDermott is too good to take his qualifying offer if he takes that I think that the Mavericks would be thrilled so they basically get at least a week to see where his market goes and to see where their own free agency spending goes so if they get DeAndre Jordan if they get whoever else then they can renounce him no big deal just like the Celtics did with Kelly Olenek you lose a guy for no value but not a big deal if his market never materializes or you, you just don't squeeze everything out because he has a nine it's nine or ten million dollar cap hold then you get a, a useful player who can be a part of what you're doing on a reasonable contract and so i like that gamble i wanted to see what kind of restrict free agents got moved and this is a good way to do it where you're not bearing any downside risk for them it's just all upside yeah and dallas they may have some more moves to, to make now too i mean josh McRoberts hasn't paid played for them all season they probably were keeping him around as potential salary ballast as an expiring contract you imagine that he probably will get waived they'll try to bring in uh they just signed uh, Kyle Collinsworth for the rest of the season and a couple more non-guaranteed years uh, as well so they might try now to and they've had some fines on guys uh, out of their system uh, so uh and McDermott yeah just to get one more like ace shooter on this team take a chance I don't think they were interested in getting Moutier because they already have Dennis Smith and they'd rather have a veteran backup for him so I don't think Moutier did them a a ton of good he makes more sense uh, on the Knicks so I, I thought this was a good deal for the Knicks I thought it was a good deal for the Dallas Mavericks and didn't make a ton of sense to me for Denver other than just the getting off of, of Moutier's money and, and maybe they felt like hey you know what like let's
let's move Moutier now because if we keep him around for the next the year, rest of the year and don't play him like his value is only going to go down or he gets hurt or something but and also like their Denver's inclusion in the Tyreek sweepstakes never made a ton of sense to me either I mean maybe they felt like if they could have gotten Tyreek then they could have moved Will Barton but Tyreek and Barton are extremely redundant uh Tyreek again you know they probably wouldn't really have the ammo to re-sign him after this so and I mean they've already got Jamal Murray they've already got Barton like what do you need another guy like Evans for so uh, I don't know uh, Boston was another team that was talked about being in the Tyreek sweepstakes Miami was but they there's no way they had the ammo to do it either so maybe there just wasn't the, the team that was a fit there uh for Tyreek to give up the first uh but then you know maybe that could have expanded if they were giving back more money but it, it really seems like the number one thing that strikes me about this deadline is just so few teams saying hey you know what like we really want to get better for this year let's go for it I mean there just weren't those teams seems like but I think it was also in certain circumstances the team saying oh we're not willing to let this guy go for very little even though very little is more than they're going to end up with and that is right. you know it just as an asset management proposition that's a little bit challenging and yeah if Memphis could have gotten those two seconds for Tyreek I think they absolutely should have done. I mean unless they were just like just total yeah and well I, I will always say like if it's a second in a trade it needs to be have a reasonable chance of being 45 or above to really count you know if it's a just a filler second it doesn't yeah, yeah. or at least 50 above like that's really once you get below 50 it could be so so I want to oh I want to go I want to go somewhere that's sort of trade deadline related but it covers something else and the team that I am actually want to talk about about this deadline a lot is the Clippers so the Clippers did a couple of different things obviously the Blake Griffin trade we've talked about that at length we're not going to do that again but so how they reacted to that so the first thing that was announced was that they extended Lou Williams ended up being the terms bounced around a little bit over the course of yesterday but the terms are it's eight million for each of the next two seasons and then I believe it's a flat eight million for that third season but it's only partially guaranteed for presently 1.5 million that can the guarantees can escalate based on certain things we don't know what those terms are yet yeah and i'll be yeah i'd be very interested to know what those incentives are too i mean that like it's difficult to evaluate this deal from williams's standpoint uh because people were like oh man i can't believe he signed for for this little uh but if the if it guarantees based on playing like 50 games or something the year before then it looks a lot different so we don't know what those incentives are but yeah we'll talk about his perspective in a second but yeah so what else so the clippers here, did that and so you say okay you know lou williams can be a part of a couple different things and then they also kept everyone else so they kept deandre jordan didn't move him kept tobias harris who's under contract for next year and kept avery bradley so they're fine for this year i guess you know like they'll be on the fringes of the playoff contention it'll depend on how they fare how utah and a couple of the other teams fare and then basically all of that could wash away or not and so the clippers they maybe those offers just weren't there it feels like avery bradley i mean he's just somebody who generates so much interest around the league we don't we can't be super privy to what happened there but it just it seemed like they ended up in such a weird place and it coincides with this idea that i had which is that the blake griffin offer was just too good for them to pass up that they didn't maybe didn't necessarily want to pivot but they're just like hey if detroit's going to offer this we might as well do it yeah and bradley again doesn't seem like there was a first round pick out there for bradley and that doesn't surprise me frankly i mean people were talking about fate accompli that he's this good that it could be there number one he hasn't had that great of a year and number two you know boston if they could have just traded him for a first rounder when they had to move that money they probably would have rather had a first rounder than marcus morris but it seems like that wasn't something that was available for him even back then when you would have had a full year of his services and he was coming off a much better year than the one that he's had so far so maybe the value just wasn't there and and for the clippers it's a little bit more defensible to retain his bird rights and maybe bring him back next year maybe even have him available for a sign and trade if someone wants to go in that direction like he's 
one where I'm not sure what the offers were for him, but if you're just dealing with seconds for him, you've got full bird rights on him, plausibly re-signing him. Uh, that's all something that makes sense to me. It's a much different situation than a Tyreek Evans or a Marco Bellinelli where the Hawks are clearly rebuilding and he's not going to be in their plans in the future. So I think holding out for a first for him it made sense, but it appears that was not there. Uh, again, I mean, you would, whether it's Tyreek Evans or whether it's Avery Bradley, I mean, unless the Spurs just know that Kawhi is not going to come back or he's not going to be the same this year, I think you might as well just give up your crappy first rounder as the Spurs to get one of those two guys in the mix. I mean, there's some talk that maybe Danny Green could be in the trade for Bradley or whatever, but uh, all of that strikes me as odd, and I'm eager to uh, try to unpack exactly what happened with Bradley when I talk to Mark Stein tomorrow. Oh, 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 oh. no, let's talk about Lou Williams though, real quick here first, because because people were saying, ah, you know what, like he didn't get get that much. I mean, all right, so I think that in this cap environment that has been expanding so much in the last few years, we've kind of lost like what the whole point of an extension is, right? An extension takes away risk from the player and puts risk onto the team, right? Because Lou Williams could play a lot worse the rest of the year, he could get hurt the rest of the year, or his market could be really bad this season. And you could say, you know, it's very difficult, or this offseason, very difficult to say that there was anything out there for Lou that would have been longer than three years at age 31, and that would have been more than about $8.6 million to start with the, the full mid-level exception. And even for good teams that would use him, because remember, bad teams have no use for Lou Williams. And Lou, by the way, probably doesn't want to go to a bad team. This is his fourth team in four years now, right? He's on the Raptors, then the Lakers, then the Rockets, now the Clippers. And he went over from Atlanta to uh, and Philly before that. I mean, he's, he's been on six teams in his NBA career so far and probably wanted to have a little stability. So this is, the Clippers are probably the best combination of team and money that would be available to him. And yeah, you know what? He's taking a little bit less than the best he probably could have gotten. Maybe in terms of that non-guarantee on the third year, maybe with the $8 million instead of starting it at 8.6. But that's what's supposed to happen when you do an extension because you are saying, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to take a little bit less now and therefore I don't have to worry about getting injured. I'm still going to get paid. And the other thing too, because he signed for a long enough time here, he can't be traded for six months. So he's got until August at least. He probably won't wouldn't get traded in that initial frenzy in July. So he's got at least some modicum of security to not get traded. And yeah, sure, he could definitely get traded. This is a Clippers roster that we certainly expect to be in flux, but he's having the best season of his career. Like I completely understand. I thought this was a, a fair deal for both sides. And I mean, how much upside is Lou Will really giving up by foregoing free agency for this deal for the certainty of being in a place, at least temporarily, that he wants to be and that he's played very well at too. I mean, that's part of it too, right? He's been in a, like as a player, it's nice to be able to play great. Like that's going to make you a lot happier. And he knows that he's been able to play great for this Clippers team and that they need him to be in the role that maximizes his talent. So I completely understand this deal. I thought it was a good deal for him. I think it mitigates the risk of only having to go to a bad team this summer or just not having the money available for with good teams that he wanted to go to. So I I think it's a fair deal for both sides and it makes perfect sense to me. I agree with you. And I think that the other part of this that's underrated is just how few teams are going to have the right amount of money for what Lou Williams would have wanted because there are teams with a lot of money like Atlanta or the Lakers or Dallas or whoever. Those teams aren't going to get Lou Williams. They're going to get somebody who who is higher on the pecking order, somebody who is a, a better player, you know, and younger. Yeah, and and then younger. teams, you know, that are the more in, the, there aren't that many teams in the full mid-level range because you have the luxury tax teams, you have the cap room teams, and a lot of those aren't particularly desirable either. And a lot of those teams might not even use the full amount because of various things. And, and a lot of them are, are less desirable. So yeah. this is a, a very, 
very good offer right. for him in terms of combination of money situation and while those things are not permanent he is there for right now he will have it for the rest of this year and probably at least half of next year but probably longer than that and that's a good thing for him and the risk the risk proposition of him getting hurt is there but also the risk proposition that the money just dried up and maybe the Clippers go in a slightly different direction or something else or that the Clippers just see hey there isn't really as much for him maybe we can get him for a little bit cheaper and they could do that and that's that's why you make the deal if you're Lou Williams yeah I remember when we uh, said it and KP said this in his write-up yesterday that Lou Williams extending would probably be good for Tyreek Evans because it would take out some of the competition for Memphis in terms of trying to move a, a ball dominant scoring guard and uh and they turned out not to be the case although it certainly made sense uh, at the time it's still Evans of course it didn't get moved uh I really want to do can we do Noah Vonley now I really want to but I've been champing at the bit to do that <laughs> <laughs> okay well it's just and Vonley had been out of the rotation with the emergence of Zach Collins got off to a, a slow start this year with that shoulder injury and it was always a natural fit because he made an amount of money and it was an expiring contract the amount that he made was basically equal to the amount that Portland was over the tax and so Portland did well here to just trade Vonley without having to give up anything other than cash we don't know exactly how much cash went over although the Blazers had their full 5.1 one million available to use to chicago and finally is worth a look yeah but the knicks did not knicks. have it to receive oh the bulls the, how much did oh, they sorry, have the, left the to bulls. receive sorry i guess they had nothing huh i think okay. it was about right, two so, million so that's probably what it was then i think because because pondexter yeah i think it was, it was in that in that sort of vicinity yeah i think they got 2.5 in pondexter the pondexter deal and i don't know if they got any more in the the ashik deal either can't remember that all right so so that's actually that means in theory that vonley had some slight amount of positive value to the bulls although a lot of that positive value is in reaching the salary floor he they don't get the full five point or 3.5 million of vonley salary and credit there but they do get you know basically two-thirds of that or one-third of that whatever they had to pay him for the rest of the year so that helps them a, a little bit and getting the cash from portland doesn't affect their salary floor payment and they also get a, a little bit of a look at vonley i mean you could put him in the rotation the rest of the year uh, see how he looks uh, with some of these guys he does have some switchability he's a good rebounder maybe the fred hoiberg will just tell him to shoot as many threes as he wants and hope they go in and uh, they'll have restricted rights on him should they want to probably w i would guess won't give him a qualifying offer but maybe if he plays well they would he's still a young player so uh not exactly the ending you would expect for a guy who was uh, drafted so highly in 2014 but uh, now the bulls will get a little bit of a look at him it's also a testament to just how little urgency there was for teams this year they're the only two teams that were even remotely close to ducking the tax you know teams that were in that margin were Portland who did it and Washington who did not and Portland did it without giving up an asset so and Vonley in all likelihood I think his qualifying offer is prohibitively high that my instinct is that they won't offer it so it's more it is more of a, a rental with yeah. a little well, he bit of an his qualifying there. offer will go down and because he probably won't meet the starter criteria yeah. because he won't meet the um, criteria that's true so yeah so now they've got uh Zach Levine and uh Noah Vonley as restricted free agents in addition to David Nwaba for the Bulls one more here that happened today actually no we've got two more still we hit on this already a little bit the Baclo Malachi Richardson deal this one for Toronto I think was more about Toronto trying to clear out a little bit more space for the buyout market they save about a million bucks here uh, on their ledger because Caboclo made 2.4 and Malachi is making 1.5 and then obviously Caboclo is not in their plans going forward has barely played it in his career I don't think they necessarily value Malachi going forward although he does have guaranteed money for next year 1.6 million dollars 
dollars because his third year option was exercised by the kings but now they've still got their bae available and they've got 2.7 million below the tax so they'll have a little bit more ammo now to get into the buyout market than they would have had before and they do have a roster spot to work with even with alfonso mckinney's contract guaranteeing at the january drop drop date with that because they kept him on the roster so yeah they could they could do something there and richardson's 1.6 million for next season could be a little bit complicated because the assumption has to be that they're going to try to get under the tax again if they can but i don't think it's it's prohibitive in that sort of a way and yeah they could stretch it if they need to they could find some piddling deal to pay cash to get rid of them I and mean, that seems like yeah, there, there will be there will be ways around that and actually at his price even though there aren't that many teams with space with trade exceptions and things like that you could make that work and maybe there's even a team that's kind of sitting there with some open roster spots like you could think about orlando as a team as an example here that's just like hey well we can we can roll the dice on him and if we cut him so be it like basically kind of the equivalent of a training camp invite if need be i think that option will be there for them with him and bruno i i considering they cut Papianis, i don't know if sacramento is intending to keep bruno caboclo that would be certainly make their either the reno bighorns or the kings just as they start sitting all these guys even more on mass somewhat compelling i guess but i think we can move on to the other uh deadline deal though there is one from pre-deadline that we should talk about and that is the new orleans pelicans this was in some ways one of the more surprising deals of the day just because there wasn't a, a real threat of it that we had seen ahead of time the new orleans pelicans traded dante cunningham to the brooklyn nets in exchange for rashad for rashad vaughn who brooklyn just acquired a couple of days ago in the tyler zeller trade yeah he actually played for them last night uh, amazing he did and so part of how it, it sounds like this would have happened is since dante cunningham is one of those players who had the implicit no trade clause meaning that he had a lot more control over his destination he might have said like i want to go there for reasons that we might not know yet but i'm guessing he will clear up in the next couple days the weirdest part of this for me is that yes it does clear out a little bit more breathing room under the hard cap and the tax and all that kind of stuff for the for the pelicans i thought cunningham helped them i thought he could be a part of the rotation and yes getting miritich took away some minutes that could go to cunningham but depth is important and he was a talented player so they better have somebody in mind for that spot because otherwise it seems like this might be a little bit of a talent drop especially i mean he's way better than liggins yeah liggins who started in place of rondo i was so excited last night when they said they weren't starting rondo well he didn't start he didn't start in place of rondo because the game never happened <laughs> that's right yeah G- give him a chance to uh to rethink that, that. that's what happens when you try to sit rajon rondo he c- cuts a hole in the ceiling and and they can't tarp it up in time <laughs> yeah i agree cunningham has some effectiveness especially as a four solomon hill is expected back you know relatively soon here so maybe that was part of this but it, it was odd to me and cunningham had been getting some dmps they played check diallo over him in the last game which they they ended up losing against the jazz so that, that was it is a little bit of a surprise you wonder if there's something going on behind the scenes there uh, especially with cunningham willing to agree to the trade but you know i mean i guess he's just gonna he's gonna play for brooklyn now uh he lost his bird rights to get traded uh, you know re- a lot of this really doesn't make sense to me maybe we'll find out something more about it or maybe we won't because it's the pelicans and the nets and it's Dante cunningham and no one's gonna be interested enough to really inquire the other trade that happened was on wednesday and that was willie hernan gomez getting his trade request filled which is good i guess but it happening to go to a team that has even less fewer center minutes available the charlotte hornets they traded him for johnny o'brien and two second round picks those second round picks are charlotte's own in 2020 and 2021 which makes the deal look a lot better for the knicks than it did before when it looked like it might be more trashy seconds i mean those could be pretty good depending on what happens with kemba walker 
And also the Knicks took on salary that, I mean, Johnny O'Brien wasn't a big, wasn't a big part of their, necessarily part of their future. So I think this is a worthwhile gamble for Heron Gomez for the Hornets, whether or not, whatever their center rotation holds in the next year or two. And for the Knicks, I mean, I don't, I, I think that he was worth having that, but they could make a bet on Charlotte being bad. Yeah, I think a, a part of this for, for Charlotte too was just being willing to take on uh, O'Brien's money uh, rather than them just having to waive O'Brien's. Um, that probably appealed it. And Hernan Gomez, I think, you know, the thought is, well, they've got all these centers, but not all those guys are going to be on the team. When And Hernan Gomez being under contract for two more years at the minimum after this one could be a real value. And he's a young guy who I think could contribute. I mean, he's he's a guy who, you know, is, is never going to be, have a lot of upside defensively, but he's a guy who you think, well, maybe he could play 20 minutes a game for you as the starting center, but, you know, doesn't close the game because you put in a better defensive guy there as as an upside play. And while there is a multitude of, there are there is a multitude of options at the center position around the league, having a guy who makes the minimum means that your value cost is actually really low. I mean, you have a guy on on that kind of contract. If, if Charlotte had more players that were potential rotation guys on rookie scale contracts or close to it, they wouldn't have some of this, the issues that they do because they have all these guys that are making a little bit more than that. So I think it's, it's, it's a worthwhile gamble for them. They might have to do some finagling with the tax next year, but that was always going to be the case because they're going to have to find a backup point guard again. They're going to have to try to fix this bench again. So I think this I think this is a justifiable move from both sides. The Knicks didn't end up trading Kyle O'Quinn, and theoretically he could pick up his player options, not as fait accompli as I think he will. Ron Baker. I mean the market the market just might not be there for him, and so you do that and and go through it. So if that's the case, and you feel like he was still going to be there, then well he's going to be marginalized again. But I thought Hernan Gomez could be better than that. So you know I, I think this is a better trade. I, I was going to say it's a better trade for the Hornets than it is for the Knicks, but I don't know. It's about the same for each. Yeah, certainly you can make the argument that well, those two seconds were what you're you're hoping that they turn into what Willie Hernan Gomez already has been. So I understand that that argument, but I don't think Hernan Gomez is not a high upside enough player to me to where you really are going to be freaking out about losing him. And obviously, those second rounders have a, can be other currency and deals. And and also worth noting that the Knicks were so depleted in terms of second rounders because the you know Philly has like every single one of their second rounders for like a five year period as a result of of various deals uh and and we'll end on uh a note sure to enrage wolves twitter we, we got all these right do we miss any well i'd like to do some broad scope things after after yeah yeah we should it. yeah we, we'll, we'll sit well so we won't end on this then uh mark sign reporting that the timberwolves are expected to try to sign derrick rose uh after his looming release uh, from utah which would be just a terrible move and just asinine to play him over superior options like tyus jones i mean the one thing they don't need is more guys to create shots on this team more inefficiently than jimmy butler and carl anthony Towns. especially if they don't play defense it's yeah it's I, I I mean, they've already got Jamal Crawford. At least Jamal Crawford can make a three-pointer. Rose can't even do that. And Tyus Jones is playing really well for them. <laughs> like, it's it's it can be yeah. infuriating if a superior player who is younger and can actually grow with this team loses any minutes to a player who doesn't really have any upside for them. <sighs> All right, uh, big winners here. The Lakers. I think yep. the Lakers are the biggest winners of this. They cleared out money. They, you know, that that Cavs pick could end up being decent. We'll see how they adjust the adjustment 
adjustment period for them. And they, they're in a better place now. And that's a really important thing for them. I think Detroit did a really nice job. They were able to get deeper without sacrificing anything of value. So that's always important. Yep. And and that will matter to them. They're not going to be dealing with the tax in any way, shape, or form. And then, yeah, I mean, so so I think, and then I'm, I know there's a third team and I'm forgetting it. I thought the Knicks did well to, to get Moody. I mean, that's not a massive win, but it's someone who has some upside for someone who probably wasn't going to be in their plans. Sacramento, I think just getting out of, of Hill, he, this is a, a, a challenging structural thing because while Hill had value for them, his contract would have been so hard to trade because he makes so much money that while teams would have been yeah. like, he's kind of the theoretical amnesty guy. Like if you could amnesty him, maybe a team would have given given like 8 million or 9 million or even more than that. But you have to have to trade him at 20, just like the, the Nets would have to with Alan Crabb eventually. So I think that's a, that works out reasonably well for SAC. They have some space. They'll have to use it well. And that has not exactly been their forte so far, but you still have to evaluate it in terms of the process itself. I think Brooklyn, Dante Cunningham could help them. I don't think that necessarily matters in terms of their long-term scope, but you could argue that in that way, it's another way that Cleveland is a loser because it weak, it could weaken their draft pick. But I, I like him. I think it's a reasonable, a reasonable thing to do for them. Utah, maybe, you know, I think Utah getting a guy in Crowder who is still on a good contract can be a good three. Threes are really hard to find in the league. He also has the ability to move up to the four. Uh, and maybe that doesn't work out, but I think that's probably, if he does work out and, you know, whatever percent chance you want to assign to that, I, I thought it was a good move for Utah to, to get Crowder and by law. And in the Cavs this year, I mean, they're going to be better. That Some of the stuff needed to be done. The Clarkson deal is more... Well, I'll ask, I'll ask you this. Forward. They'll definitely be better than they have been. Do you, do you feel like if you're if you had to put something on the line that isaiah thomas in april is going to be as nearly as bad as he's been so far this year no i don't think he'll be that bad i mean we said with the Cavs, like they were always going to get better in one of two ways either uh thomas would play less or in this case not be on the team or he would play better and so one of those two things would happen but no i think it's maybe he'd be better but he's not going to be better enough to overcome his defensive limitations against some of the best teams and i think the same is with crowder i i am actually a little bit more optimistic just because he's more versatile and so you can can use him in that sort of way and also with isaiah i mean if they had kept if they'd had the guts to keep him basically only make the second trade then having george hill and basically having isaiah run the second unit it's a really weird use of assets and it might have created some problems in the locker room but as a value proposition i think it would have been way better for them like you would have created a more viable team to me and then if isaiah happens to work out then great you can use him in that way george hill it's not like he's built up so much with that team that it's a problem there though he might not be happy about it so yeah I, I think i would feel much better about cleveland if they had structured these things slightly slightly differently but again that's you know that's mostly my personal preference just because i don't think jordan clarkson is particularly great and another potential winner just with how tight gripped everybody was on first round picks the bulls look better now than they did before because basically they're the only team that got one and so and yeah, new orleans and the lakers but but they oh, also yeah, the had lakers. to give up a young asset so that makes things a little different they yeah the nance the nance first part of that i mean that's more yeah. of a, it's it's closer to a wash than what than what happened with Miritich. and so while i think new orleans did well in that trade and i think that there was you know they accomplished two or three things in one chicago getting a first round pick which depending on if the pelicans make the playoffs could be a lottery pick for that is is something that will be hard to come by and it's crazy that we're going to have to wait another at least until the draft and probably until july to calibrate what a first round pick is in future money is worth now because we, we just don't know and none of these teams probably know either they know what other teams are asking for and they know what 
what they're willing to pay, but there isn't an established market for it. And those trades are going to need to happen in 2018 because there are just a couple of teams that are going to need to clear some space. And that's the easiest way that we've already established to do that, unless you have a good player on a reasonable contract. Yeah. My last closing thought is if you want to say losers real quickly, this uh, Cleveland just in taking on the Clarkson trade and maybe the opportunity cost of their first round pick, maybe they could have done a little bit better. Uh, but the, they got some intriguing pieces at least you know i don't think that they did crazy bad other than maybe the clarkson contract but um i don't think anyone just like totally screwed themselves we'll see what ends up happening with cleveland denver i still you know it seemed like mostly just financial considerations with moutier and then memphis is the biggest loser to me to get nothing for evans and then maybe atlanta to some degree as well possibly you could say the clippers well because avery bradley i think more likely than not that he does not resign there um so and and you mentioned detroit as a winner i I would echo that but the biggest thing that stuck out to me is we didn't see a single one of those horseshit 2016 contracts get traded other than clarkson is the only one and his is fundamentally different from a lot of those too yeah yeah it's a little bit less he's younger he's he's only you know i wouldn't say slightly overpaid he's probably overpaid by maybe you know five to seven million dollars on that contract but has the upside to maybe get better and and certainly more of an eye of the beholder than evan turner or a biombo or a mahini or a noah so and i think that that those contracts with so much money i mean you've mentioned this before how little expiring money is even tied up into expiring in 2019 contracts it's all 2020 at this point you know ashik was probably the biggest bad contract bayless was the other one that expired in 2019 that got moved i mean you could i think you could also point to some of the teams that didn't had maybe could have gotten better for a cheap price and didn't like a philly like a spurs like an okc maybe as losers here but i think for for a lot of those teams just the inability for so many teams to make moves because of that 2016 money that was tied up and it seems like both with first round picks being so coveted right now not being on the move and then those picks or or those contracts even probably being too hefty right now for even one first round pick to be enough to get off of them meant that none of those got moved And, and i think that was probably the biggest thing to take away from our mock trade deadline was just that those contracts could not get yeah i mean it's and it doesn't really get simpler from here on out because there aren't really that many teams with space and the trades like we've been creative sometimes with moving you know like a bad contract for a worse contract with an asset and things like that but those trades are always really hard to negotiate because it's valuing the sure. valuing the propositions how much dead money is on each contract and so there is a, a a lot that needs to happen for any of those to move and a lot of teams today kick the can down the road and some of that might have been because the the teams that they would have been moving with were just a little bit too aggressive but those needs are still there denver's going to need to unload salary that is we, we know they're going to need to do that orlando is in a little bit of a cleaner place now without alfred payton and philly you know we'll see how much money they actually need to clear whether they could even wait till 2019 like the lakers could but somebody's going to need to have that pressure how are they going to do it how are they going to dissipate it and then also how does the three-week margin between the trade deadline and buyouts affect this i mean there are certain guys where it looks like okay that's really obvious but then in what of these circumstances does this time change the way they feel about it because now you can see a couple of roster spots shining out you know like the Warriors if they cut JaVale McGee could have one the Cavs have one sitting out right now I think the Celtics are pretty much done which is interesting Rockets can probably do one if they want to and so are there specific players that go hey I'm the guy for that spot I want I will leave money on the table to go there and basically make it happen sort of like what it seems like Greg Monroe did yeah, we'll have to do like a, 
like a ranking of all the buyout destinations and how much money they have and stuff uh, as well coming up here but uh that'll do it for today i want to remind you guys don't forget the number one thing you can do to support us right now is to download the wish app and use that cap space code uh to help us get twitter nba show sponsored again uh and aside from that uh, we're gonna be back tomorrow with mark stein hopefully if we can we can pry him away and he still has uh any energy maybe let him get some sleep before we bring him back on and then content's gonna be a little bit lighter through the all-star break you know obviously if there's some major news we'll come on but uh with not much happening in the league and no games we'll probably take it a little easier during the all-star break but uh lots more to talk about here with the trade deadline tomorrow with mark and then we'll have 15 and 60 for you next week as well because i know we haven't done that in some time so thanks again for listening to this two-part trade deadline extravaganza catch y'all next time at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365 21 plus only must be present in virginia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply